Hi. Oh, hey, Mary. Hi. Hey, Mary, it's Scott. This past year has been a lot of things for all of us. I'm growing into, you know, what I lost during COVID this year. But when I think about what we all have in common, it's loss. We all lost something during this pandemic. I lost the cohesive experience of a workplace. I feel like the virus just weaseled its way into our group, planting seeds of doubt and fear. I lost my best and only friend, my dog. I have a great sense of loss for who I was as a person. I'm a small business owner, basically at a 65% loss in my business, so struggling to get by. Our family, we do weekly dinners every week on Wednesday. And when this all first started, we shut it down. And I can physically see the pain on my grandmother's face. We lost money. We lost time. A lot of us lost people, too. 16 April, a dear close friend, Joan. We've been friends since childhood. She died of COVID. 3rd of May, my great aunt Millie. She was more of a mother to me than my own mother, and I miss her every day. 28th of July, James. He didn't die, though. He's a first, or was a first responder. He's now a long hauler. I guess when I think about what I lost, first and foremost, my mom and the opportunity to tell her that she did good with me and that she she set me on the right path. Um, and time, I lost time. Counting up everything we've lost can feel enormous, overwhelming. More than half a million Americans are just gone. Today on the show, we're going to tell you the story of just one person who was lost. A mother, an aunt, a friend. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As the anniversary of this pandemic lockdown approached, all of us on the What Next team fanned out, looking to talk to the people we loved about what we'd just been through, what we're still going through, really. We recorded these chats because we wanted to chronicle the sheer breadth of what we lost this year. We talked to the people who took care of us, the people who disappeared from our lives without warning the family we shut ourselves in with. I have a very big, wonderful, extended family. My mom is one of 13 kids. 13? Yes, 13. Old-style Catholic family. Alicia Montgomery, Slate's executive producer of podcasts, spoke with her cousin, Yvonne. 
After listening to all the conversations we recorded, it was the one between Alicia and Yvonne we wanted to share most of all. Both of these women have spent the year looking out for all their older relatives. So we have a lot of older Black people in our family with pre-existing health conditions. I also have, you know, cousins um, and other family members who are in jobs that are considered essential. So it was very clear to me early on that, you know, we would be lucky to get through the COVID crisis without anybody getting seriously ill and without us losing anyone. Alicia's family wasn't as lucky as they would have liked. Her cousin Yvonne lost her mother to COVID earlier this year. In their family, when someone dies, Alicia's used to just going over to their house, eating, telling stories. But one of the things this pandemic took from all of us was rituals like this. The togetherness is a big part of healing, you know, the informal togetherness, just sitting in each other's houses and hugging each other's kids or parents and sharing old stories. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that for my aunt for niece. So I couldn't just be in a room with Yvonne for a day, just chit-chatting. So instead, Alicia called her cousin Yvonne up. My mom used to babysit you and you were very little and she was a teenager, right? That is correct. Um, my sister Janine and I uh, would go to our grandparents' house because your mom and my dad are siblings. <laughs> so, yep, good old Aunt Joan. Good old Uncle Charles. How about that? So... We're going to be talking about your mom, um, Aunt Bernice. A.K.A. Ma. <laughs> A.K.A. Ma. Ma to you, Aunt Bernice to me. So I wanted to ask you, when was the first time you started to hear about COVID and how your mom first started to hear about COVID? I just remember the week of March 13th, Ma had gone to the store and she used to love broccoli coleslaw and she told me, she said, Yvonne, I couldn't find any broccoli coleslaw anywhere. I was like, okay, Ma, don't worry about that. I was like, you'll get some. So I had gone to the store that Sunday, which would have been the 15th of March, and we had gone to Whole Foods and they had some broccoli coleslaw. And we got on the Beltway, and I'll never forget, the Beltway was so deserted on a Sunday morning about 11 o'clock. It reminded me of September 11, after the terrorists had hit. That's what the, the Beltway reminded me of. And so when I think of COVID, those are some of my first very vivid memories of COVID as to how our life had changed but didn't know how much it would change later. I remember you started worrying about COVID on your mom's behalf before she did. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to talk to her about COVID at first? Well, talking to Ma about COVID, it was like, for Ma, 
it wasn't here. Um, so we would just touch on it. And again, because it wasn't here, I don't think that Ma focused on it, but I was just so, I was concerned about COVID and I needed to ensure that I was being careful and I needed to be safe because I wanted to make sure that my parents would be okay. That was my whole thing. I just wanted my parents to be okay. And I just, I don't know how it happened. I just know that it happened, that Ma contracted COVID. I think my heart dropped that day. But God was merciful. My spirit wasn't troubled. I was very encouraged. Ma's symptoms were displayed and we responded within 48 hours. So just, I was encouraged by that. There was nothing to indicate that my mom wouldn't get through this. My spirit was, was calm. I was blessed in that regard. Talked to my mom on the phone those first couple of days and everything. Her first question always was, how you doing? But I'll never forget that first day on the 19th. Oh, Ma was so bossy. <laughs> she was so Ma. <laughs> the 19th and the 20th, she was just bossy Ma. <laughs> and I was good with that. And then life just changed. I called Ma on the phone. She was gasping for air, trying to talk. And I told her, I was like, well, no, just don't talk. I was like, just listen, I'm just calling to tell you that I love you. She said, okay. Conversation was short. And she hung up. That Thursday, I didn't get my mom at all. And then that Friday, May 29th, I was at work. And Janine called on my phone. And Janine was talking and fighting back tears. And I was like, what is it? What's going on? And then Janine just broke down and told me that the doctor said that Ma had taken a turn. And there was nothing more that they could do. They could put her on a ventilator, but it would just prolong the inevitable. Ma's lungs had failed. Janine explained to me that Ma's lungs had turned into like jelly. And that if she went on a ventilator, the doctor had said to Janine, you know what this like, you know what this is like. You've seen it. You know what happens. That Ma would continue to be poked and prodded. And it she wouldn't have any peace as she transitioned out of this life. And so the decision was made 
So the doctors gave Yvonne a choice. She could come in and say goodbye to Aunt Bernice in person, or she could do a video call. You know, this is this is part of where life gets complicated because Yvonne is a caretaker for my Uncle Charles. And so she did not want to take the chance uh, that she would end up losing both of her parents. So she decided, um, Yvonne decided to... Uh, to spend the last few moments with my aunt Vernice on this on this video call on a screen. We got to see Ma. She had oxygen and somewhat of a hood on to give her additional support for oxygen. So her voice was muffled somewhat. And as we shared and talked with Mon, we were blessed to tell her that she had been the best mom for me and Janine. I thanked her for the time that we had. We told Mom we loved her. And even though her voice was muffled, it wasn't muffled when she said she loved us. She said, I love you. I love you. The call was short. Mom said she was tired. She wanted to rest. Mom died about 1.01 p.m. It was quick because that was my concern. I was like, well, how long will it be? The doctor said, we don't know. It could be quick. It could be long. It could take, it could be a couple of hours. It could be a day or so. We don't know. But it was quick. Ma transitioned out of this life so quick. Her body was exhausted. She was tired. Her assignment was done on this earth. So fast forward to today, I get angry when I think of all of the people who had died from COVID because I believe that some of it was unnecessary. Had the Trump administration, and that will be one of the only times that I will mention his name because I refer to him as the impeached knucklehead had he done his job instead of being selfish, self-centered, lacking compassion, had he done his job and was honest. I'm not saying that my mother wouldn't be here, but she might and all the other people who have gone on over 450,000 people died in the United States on his watch. It makes me want to cuss. 
the good news is that they know more than they did when Ma contracted COVID. And that's the blessing. And I'm grateful for that. Even though my mom's not physically here, I have more joyful days than I have sad days. I'm just grateful. Oh, Yvonne, I, um, I really wish that it were entirely safe um, for us just to be in a room and just talk so I could give you a hug. That day's coming, it's coming. And I'm looking forward to it. I will never, ever again in my life take touch for granted. Yes. Oh, gosh. You okay, cousin? I'm, I'm okay. I, um, I'm supposed to tell you to do something with <laughs> buttons. <laughs> and stuff for this recording and I'm trying to remember what that was Yvonne Tillman is the cousin of Alicia Montgomery Slate's executive producer of podcasts before we go I have a favor to ask I want to know if you're making plans for what you'll do once you get a vaccine who are you going to hug first? Are you going to travel? What are you going to do with your hair? Tell us what's on your mind. Give a call. 202-888-2588. We will be back with our third and final episode of our year. Tomorrow, we'll be talking about the future of the coronavirus. A very special thank you to everyone we spoke to for this series. Hi, I'm Jeannie. Who is this? It's Elena. Oh, Elena, forgive me. My name is Vicki Small. April Tanari. Daniel Lariel. Daryl Homer. Olivia Hewitt. Um, <laughs> you're my sister. <laughs> and that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Davis Land, Carmel Delshad, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. I'll catch you back here tomorrow. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.